It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Washington football team, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked on the Washington football team with the Locked On Washington football team podcast. I am David Harrison, Washington football team writer for SI.com's fan nation. He is Chris Russell, one half of the Russell Commander show on the Team 980, Monday through Friday from 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern and on the Odyssey app. We thank you for making the Locked On Washington football team podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms and on Twitter. You can find Chris at WrestleMania621. I am at DHarrison82. And the show is at Locked WFT Pod. Chris, on Sunday afternoon, the Washington football team uh, retired the number 21, celebrated the memory uh, and short-lived contributions, unfortunately, of uh, former defensive back Sean Taylor. And they also fell to the Kansas City Chiefs by a final score of 31 to 13. The game started uh, better, I think, than some people expected. Uh, at, you know, Washington, I guess you could say, had the upper hand going into halftime with the lead. Uh, and then it was all Kansas City in the second half, other than one potential point producing drive for the Washington football team that resulted in a missed Dustin Hopkins field goal. I know a lot of people say that that missed field goal was the turning point of the game. Uh, what are your initial takes following this latest loss? The Washington football team now falling to two and four on the season with a road trip against the Green Bay Packers right around the corner. Yeah, I mean, I, it was certainly catalyst if not the turning point of the game on that Dustin Hopkins 42 yard uh miss because like you said you know David they they had you know turned the ball over Kansas City did three times in the first half Washington had a 13-10 lead uh they had the busted coverage touchdown I mean my you know uh, Chase Young sacks Mahomes on the first drive of the third quarter you like you're you're feeling pretty good about how this is going and from that miss they never had a pulse ever. <laughs> I mean, on offense or on defense, quite honestly. I mean, I guess a little bit of one on defense, certainly not on offense. Uh, and after that, Kansas City just rolls because they get the Tyreek Hill, you know, touchdown afterwards. And, and Washington was offsides on a key third and 10 with Montez Sweat uh, that you know, made it a third and five. And then they yeah. converted for, I think, plus 13. And even on that play, Chase Young was offside. So, I mean... Washington did everything they could to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. If you could do that by having a three point lead at the half, which I know is not a big lead, but I mean, for this team, it represented some sort of progress. And what's sad and ironic is the Kansas city chiefs outscore the Washington football team, 21 to nothing in the second half. Think about the numbers and the symmetry there. 21 on the day that they retire. Sean Taylor's 21 uh, in a ceremony and a process where uh, Washington basically gave their fans, uh, you know, and a lot of people nothing but grief uh, and nothing but, you know, turmoil on top of turmoil uh, in terms of how they handled 
uh, the situation. So 21 nothing uh, is kind of weirdly uh, and, and sadly fitting, I guess, for how that second half unfolded. Yeah, I mean, it just kind of goes to show you that, you know, it, it's not enough to not be losing the game. You have to be winning the game, right? And, and you know, the the signs and, and everything there. I actually kind of at one point I was like, you know, if, uh, if Kansas City can't get it figured out on offense and if Scott Turner can get his quarterback on track, then maybe this team can actually pull out uh, like a 21-point victory. Like that would be really cool to see this team pull out a 21-point win or even win like 21 to 17 or something, you know, right. just somehow kind of get the number 21 in there. Um, and, you know, unfortunately it does get in there, just not in the way yeah. that anybody supporting the Burgundy and Gold would like it to. Um, I looked at this, Chris, and I mean, uh, you know, I, I had a Twitter interaction during halftime with a Washington football team fan who kind of said, you know, doesn't this game kind of feel more like Kansas City is is losing it versus Washington is winning? And I basically told him, uh, honestly, both sides would say the same thing. Like Kansas City went into the locker room up, then you could you could look at it and say, well, th- that was more of Washington losing the first half than it was Kansas City winning the the first half. And um, it, it was really going to be about who came out in the second half and took advantage of mistakes more. I, I, I get that people think that Dustin Hopkins' missed field goal was the turning point. For me, I think the turning point was the possession that came after the missed field goal. And I know it's kind of like the same Thing, but the real turning point, like if it's like a singular point in this game, it's that Montez Sweat uh, penalty because, mm-hmm. you know, I know Ron talked about it in the postgame press conference. You just talked about it. You know, that's a third and long play. Uh, you're you're getting them off the field. The, the, the pass was incomplete, so it's fourth down. So worst case scenario is they're getting a field goal and you're getting the ball back. Instead, like you said, they get a shorter third down try. They convert. They score. It's one of three back-to-back-to-back touchdown scores that really just put this game away uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. And and I had tweeted, you know, beforehand, I know some people are superstitious, but, you know, for those people, tweets uh, cannot and, and do not determine the course of a game. So I had tweeted shortly before then uh, because of the missed field goal that basically the Washington football team offense needed to pick up their defense and start doing some things to put pressure on Kansas City score wise, because you can't expect the defense to contain this Kansas city offense all stinking day. And that was the drive where basically the dam started to flood. You know, they got downfield, the penalty happened. And that was basically where the, uh, the class one leak, a little bit of moisture on the wall turned into a class three. There's a steady flow from that point forward. And that's, that's where this game gets out of hand. So for me, that penalty is the turning point, but really that entire series from first of all, having to settle for the field goal anyway, like you need a touchdown there. I know you have the mm-hmm. lead and you're up, but you need a touchdown there. Um, Washington football team, zero red zone drives on Sunday against Kansas city chiefs against the defense that has been do- giving up a lot of points, a lot of yards. They never figured out how to get into the red zone, forget red zone scoring. You have to get in the red zone in order to have red zone scoring. And this team absolutely couldn't do it. Of course they have the long touchdown of Ricky seals Jones, which is great but that's an anomaly because it's a busted play. Um, and I've got a few comments on anomalies when we get into our offensive and defensive takeaways. But Chris, that's really my first take on this is a kind of, that's where the turning point is. Um, and really this is just a game that neither team really deserved to win until the waning moments of the third quarter into the fourth quarter, fourth quarter when the Kansas city chiefs uh, took over. And unfortunately for the Washington football team, it's another game that you're going to look back on and say, we could have won it. Maybe we even should have won it, 
but the team walks away with a loss. Ron Rivera again mentioned multiple games this season that they could have won. You look at the Chargers game, the Saints game, now this game, that's three wins uh, that, that should, or three games that should be, or could be in the win column rather, that are instead are in the loss column. Uh, it sounds familiar, unfortunately, but another thing, Chris, that sounds familiar to people these days is the plethora of devices that we use to kind of survive in this digital entertainment landscape. Just you and I, before we got done recording, you were sitting there hoping to be ready. You had to dig through another bag. Like we've just got devices everywhere. I myself, I've got three screens sitting or four screens actually sitting around me as we speak right now. Cause one device that has a game on live another one's got favorite shows, got stats up for me. Another one's got highlights running. I've got other stuff running on my phone. And then of course we always use our best friends login for the other good stuff. Well, I'm going to tell our listeners about a simple way to get all the entertainment we love without the hassle and a great way to finally get our television together. It's called direct TV stream and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports movies and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part is there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with direct TV stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com for direct TV stream. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Washington football team podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. David, before we get into our offensive analysis, which we kind of touched on, but we'll go more uh, in depth, why don't we crank up the voicemail line? All right, Washington football fans, this is Todd Utah. Uh, for some reason, it feels like the line's still a little bit hot from uh, LP laying into David. Uh, but uh, I, I, I wanted to give my perspective on that just a little bit. Uh, one of the things that, that uh, us us fans have been doing i've been a fan for 40 years and and i know there's an awful lot of fans that have been around for a long time and tried to stay loyal and are loyal to the team um but one of our frustrations is what over the last 10 12 years we've had like 473 quarterbacks starting for the football team and in that time we've had one guy who could have been a franchise quarterback uh kirk cousins and what did we do we screwed that up and i had to keep myself from cussing there uh, but, I mean, we as a football franchise have screwed up or messed up in the quarterback area for a long time. Uh, so anytime we see somebody that for a moment gives us a glimpse of hope that they are going to be that franchise player and then that person disappoints us or we realize they're not that person, uh, it, it's, it's frustrating because we've seen, like I said, hundreds of quarterbacks, as it feels like over the last uh, decade or so, uh, and no one ever measure up. And, and we've seen other teams, many other teams, find that guy uh, in that time period. So it's, 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 it's tough. Uh, I, and I'm not, you know, I don't know. I, I still think Heineke has some potential, 
but we'll see what happens. He could just be another name that gets put on the list when they talk about how many players have played for us. Uh, anyways, uh, appreciate y'all. Have a great day. All right, Todd. Uh, as always, we appreciate you and uh, appreciate your thoughts and input. And I, I will say, I will say this, David. Todd's right about pretty much everything he just said there. I, I, of course, Kirk Cousins. I'm a little bit biased towards. Um, I, I agree that was a debacle. I called it would be a debacle back in 2015. Uh, everyone thought I was crazy. Uh, as usual, I turned out to be right about Bruce Allen's terrible, terrible decision-making process. And it did cost them uh, any chance at having at least a good quarterback. And that's the problem. They haven't had a good quarterback. It's, it's, it's not that they haven't had a franchise quarterback. They haven't really had a good quarterback for any sustainable period of time. And let me just say this at the risk of uh, who was it that ripped into you uh, last week? L- um, uh, LP, yeah. <laughs> LP, yeah, right. Todd just mentioned him. Um, I was gonna, I was gonna say LG, and and, and that's like a TV brand. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> at the risk of of uh, you know LP getting mad at me, I'm gonna tell you, I, I, I've seen enough. I, I know what I know. Yeah. Taylor Heineke's a backup quarterback. That's what he is. Yeah. I, I've seen enough. And and no, it's not fair. I get it. I understand no Brandon Sheriff, no Sam Cosby, no Logan Thomas, no Curtis Samuel. I got it. I'm not saying that he wouldn't be better without those guys. But honestly, David, I think it would be marginal. Again, I want to go back and I want to look at every throw. But if you look at, there were probably at seven or eight throws that were just terrible, just terrible in this game, even though he didn't have the mind boggling turnovers. Uh, he had the one late, the game was already over on the little screen. Uh, there were just some really, really poor throws, yeah. really poor. No, the, there were. And, and I totally get the quarterback aspect, especially from the fan base, you know, the, uh, you know, you have fan base is kind of starved uh, for a franchise quarterback. Look, remember guys, I I've been covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for, for eight seasons. This is my eighth season covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I get a fan base that hasn't had a franchise quarterback. Um, it might be a little bit worse actually over there because they've had three Super Bowl winning quarterbacks on their roster, uh, you know, before outside of Brad Johnson who went with them. And then of course the arrival of Tom Brady, which, you know, Bucks fans joke about Tom Brady being, you know, a tough Tampa Bay Buccaneers all time, great quarterback da, 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 got it. But we all know in reality, everybody's gonna remember him as a Patriot more uh, than a Buccaneer. And that's, that's how it should be, honestly. Um, but look, Steve Young, Trent Dilford, and, uh, Oh, by the way, Doug Williams, all former Buccaneers quarterbacks yeah. who all went on to other franchises to win Super Bowls. So believe me, I know what it's like to uh, to interact with a fan base that is thirsty for a franchise quarterback. And and I, what, I, what I will tell you, though, the same thing we'll always tell you guys is as, as much as we want you to have that for you as well, uh, we're not going to sit here and try to create it out of thin air. It, it, it is what it is. And um, Taylor Heineke, look, you know, and that, that bleeds right into our offensive analysis beautifully. Um yeah, he's 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 a backup quarterback, and and is there a potential and a possibility that he becomes more than that? Absolutely. Every single week is another opportunity for every player to get better and to improve. Uh, but we saw what we saw on Sunday uh, as a quarterback who obviously has been throwing high, and what we saw was overcorrection, ball after ball after ball in the dirt, and then the balls that weren't in the dirt were still sailing high or too long, 
the one pass, the the one pass to uh, to Terry McLaurin in the corner of the end zone. Yep. I know a lot of people in FedEx wanted a flag. I, you know, perhaps you had a point. God, I've seen plays like that get flagged. I've Correct. seen plays like that not get flagged. To be quite honest, like, that's was, kind of one was, of those 50 50 penalties. Right. There was some light tugging on that, right. but that was not an obvious. It would, that was a much worse throw yeah. than it was a missed call. By- yeah the officials and to be honest or, with you, or, that's where we, i shouldn't say much worse throw it was much it was much worse ball location because yes. terry you know terry uh, he had slightly beaten his man and again despite a little bit of hand grabbing mm-hmm. but but i mean he he could not have made that catch the thing about that pass though too is it's not so it's it's in the bad spot but it's in a bad spot because of how late he threw it and if you go back and yeah. watch that play uh, for fans, Chris and myself too. Good I mean, I, I saw it when it when it happened live. That's the only reason I can really comment on this. He pump faked, and and, yeah. and he didn't pump fake for a reason. Like there was no defender there. When you go back and watch, like there's like Terry's defender isn't watching Taylor, so there's nobody. There's no reason to pump fake. It's a lack of confidence in what you're doing. That's the only reason he pump fakes. He pump fakes the ball, and then he throws it out there. By the time he throws it out there, that route is so late. Is 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 developed so much that Terry McLaurin has to adjust to the ball while his defender is right there with him and there's no margin for error. If that ball is in the air and on a known trajectory, Taylor, Terry McLaurin can get his head around, and now you have a star receiver and go out there and manipulate his defender, either break outside late, either take a sharp angle so that the defender can't get on top of him, whatever Terry McLaurin needs to do to go out there and make that pass, that's how you set your receivers up for success. And in that throw specifically, uh, Taylor Heineke did not give Terry McLaurin enough time and ability to adjust that to that pass enough to avoid the contact with the defender. And then, yeah, you're basically relying on the ref to, to bail you out of a bad throw. And that's not how the game of football should be played. You don't throw the ball hoping that the referee is going to give you a penalty. You throw the ball looking to execute. And then if it doesn't work out and they cheated, you want them obviously to get held up for it. But that's, I mean, really that's, you know, there are some other deficiencies with the offense. Obviously, uh, it looked to me very pedestrian, Chris. It looked to me, honestly, like Scott Turner doesn't have confidence in Taylor Heineke either. And really, the last part about the offense that I want to talk about before we move to the defense, Chris, and maybe you can shed some light on this, is why does Taylor Heineke leave this game with zero rushing attempts? I don't know if it's coaching. I don't know if it's Taylor trying to prove to the world that he could be a pocket passer. But whatever it is, he's a, he's an athletic quarterback that's what makes him more dynamic than the average backup. Mm-hmm. And he's not using that ability. Go back to that, that, that four. Well, I think it was a fourth quarter play where he was sacked like three times, but then he yep. wasn't actually sacked three times. Right. And, and again, I, until I see all the all 22, I don't know what's exactly in front of him, but the, he is in his mind as he's getting out of these tackles, he is running backwards with the intent of, I am not running down the field. I mm-hmm. am going to find a place to throw this ball Come hell or high water, that is what Taylor Heineke is going to do on Sunday. And I don't know where it came from, but it needs to be the last time that happens with Taylor Heineke or this offense is never going to see the red zone again. Yeah, and no, yes, th- that's hyperbole, but I mean it. Uh, I think that's an astute point. Um, now, now here's the, here's the one thing that I would say. I think where quarterbacks and their mobility in general is most able to be used and most dangerous is inside the red zone, right? You look at Lamar Jackson, he's virtually unstoppable. You look at even Jalen Hurts, where they can really use their legs. Taylor Heineke generally seems to do a pretty good job of it all over the field. Um, But I wonder if not having any red zone opportunities hurt the fact that Scott Turner didn't call any design quarterback runs or anything like that. Remember, you know, part of obviously what 
Many NFL teams, if not all NFL teams, and certainly this one do, are run pass options. So maybe there was calls that that could have gone one way or the other. I, I don't know. Um, you know, without again talking to people and without really breaking it down. So here's what I will say. Um, clearly they don't want him running for his life and clearly they don't want him getting hurt and taking unnecessary hits. I get that, but you're right. I mean, that's part of what he is. I think the game plan today was to do, I think something that we talked about on the go home episode, the quick passing game, get the ball out screens, all of that. The problem is, they're late in developing these screens, David. I mean, everything is bunched up. Everything is late. Everything takes too long to set up. I mean, Brandon Sheriff, I, I've been critical of him. One area where he's really, really, really good is setting up and getting out in front of screens. And Morgan Moses wasn't bad at it either over his career with Washington. And now they're both gone. Moses, not even in the franchise. And Sheriff hurt as usual. And Sam Cosby's hurt as always. And he's really athletic. So when you call a short passing game or when you're trying to screen, 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 or check down, check down, check down, and you're trying to avoid the quarterback taking big shots or unnecessary risks, I think that's what you get. And just real quickly as an extension of that, there were three plays minus four, minus four, minus two, just off the top of my head that were passing plays, screens, check downs, what have you, that went for negative yardage. You shouldn't have have three passing plays that go for negative yardage. I'm not talking about sacks. I'm talking about actual passing plays that were complete. That to me tells me everything I need to know. All right, let's uh, do this. We are here on the Locked On Washington football team podcast. I'm Chris Russell. I'm at FedEx Field as we record this, wrapping up a 31-13. It got so out of hand in the second half, I lost track. Uh, Lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll come back and we'll break down the defense coming up here in just a moment as we wrap up this immediate analysis episode of the Locked On Washington football team podcast, along with David Harrison, asking you guys what your favorite Built Bar flavor is. You're going to need maybe a stiff drink and a couple of Built Built Bars this week to get you through uh, because Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers are looming ahead. But did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor? When you talk to a Built Bar fam, they are definitely passionate about their favorites. David, unfortunately, I had a peanut butter brownie uh, Built Bar on the way to FedEx Field on Sunday morning, and it did not put a Superman cape on Taylor Heineke and the Washington football team. I was really hoping that it would, but it sure was tasty, and it was a good way to have a nice, healthy breakfast on my way, uh, again, from home to FedEx Field. Peanut butter brownie is my favorite. David loves mint brownie. You might like raspberry or double chocolate or salted caramel. You know what the deal is. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you can get two of each of the nine usual flavors. They are healthy for you, high in protein, low in calories, low in sugar, and net carbs, and they taste delicious. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com. Football is back. We are back, and we are better than ever. And BetOnline.ag is still your number one spot for all your pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet online continues to be your number one source for everything football. Head over to the website now, sign up if you haven't already. And when you make your first deposit, use a promo code locked on and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus 
to that deposit. Again, that's promo code locked on at betonline.ag for a 50% welcome bonus, whether it's football, basketball, boxing, or your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait. Take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Wrapping up today's episode of the Locked On Washington football team podcast after a 31-13 loss for the Washington football team to the Kansas City Chiefs. Thanks again for making us your first listen every day. I'm David Harrison, joined by Chris Russell on Twitter at dharrison82 at russellmania621 and at Locked WFT Pod. And Chris, let's pick up here with our defensive analysis uh, real quick. I'll kind of just jump into it. Uh, early on, you know, it, it didn't look terrible. I mean, honestly, this is this is where I'm going to get a little bit of critical of the coaching staff, and it's not so much for the product on the field because I feel like this coaching staff, uh, at least in large part, put the team in a position uh, to be able to win if they just execute. And, and even on defense, when you look at the amount of missed tackles uh, that happened on, on Sunday afternoon, you make a lot of those tackles, and this defense is in a much better position to make some plays. But, but as it ends, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, who, again, you know, one of the leaders in the league in turnovers entering this weekend. They were also a leader in the league in third down conversions. They end up 11 of 17 on third down, converting 65% of those. And they were a top five offense when it came to mm-hmm. passing yards. And Patrick Mahomes puts up almost 400 yards of, of, uh, of passing offense on his own, adds 31 yards of rushing offense and accounts for over 400 of 499 total yards produced by the Kansas city chiefs offense. So Really, you got what you expected from the Kansas City Chiefs if you watched it, um, which is why I have a little bit of a hard time getting too frustrated at the defense just because eventually this Kansas City Chiefs offense, what they've shown you is they're going to give you turnovers. They're going to give you opportunities to get takeaways. Washington's defense came up with three of them in the, in the game altogether, and off of those three turnovers, the Washington football team produces 10 points, which is fewer points than they produced off of the turnovers New Orleans Saints gave them a week ago. So they're actually moving backwards in complementary football. Uh, so again, it kind of all goes back to the offense and it's not just on Taylor altogether, but the quarterback is the quarterback for a reason. And they're always going to carry the brunt of the blame here. Um, we have a voicemail coming up that talks about blaming, putting aside. I don't know really, I'm not really in the business of necessarily blaming somebody. I'm going to point out people's efficiencies as they have them. Not everybody was perfect. The secondary, absolutely uh, terrible in tackling more so than anybody else. Uh, Jamin Davis, I know a lot of people were excited to see him. He ends up leading the team with 11 tackles, so good on him for that. He made some plays. He he looked uh, better than I think we've we've seen him look mm-hmm. overall. But really, there's not a single level of this defense I can walk away and say we secured the game. But they could walk in that locker room and say, "Hey, look, guys, if you put up 17 points in the first half, or maybe 21 points in the first half off those three turnovers, we might come out of this thing winning." Because I don't care what offense you have on the other side of the ball if your defense can come out in the second half and just defend the pass because your offense has put up so many points that they have to, they have to just throw the ball. That's better for any defense. And this Washington defense never got to that phase of the game because Washington offense couldn't capitalize on the turnovers. Yeah. I I mean, all of it works together, right? I mean, if you know, you could say that about the offense and the defense and I, think that's a good point that even though Mahomes is a magician and we saw some crazy plays and some great throws you would rather them be one-dimensional than multi-dimensional so I I think your point has a lot of merit but I would also say the defense should not be pointing fingers at anybody in any way shape or form because as you mentioned the missed tackling which has been a huge problem especially the last three weeks they just simply cannot tackle Uh, but on top of that William Jackson III really struggled again I thought 
thought. Uh, he was a little bit better last week, but he really struggled again. Uh, that And that first drive of Kansas City, David, 95 yards. They went through him like a hot knife through butter. The only play they really made was a Cole Holcomb sack on a scramble for no loss, no gain, no nothing. And then they gave up the fourth down right after that, which kept that drive going. They allowed uh, another, I think, 94, 95-yard drive. So, I mean, you know, again, this defense, and that goes back to the third down situation that you were talking about, this defense can't be pointing any fingers at anybody. Hey, get us a lead, get us a lead so we can make you multidimensional. Yeah, okay. I, I mean, sure, everybody would like that. But, you know, you have to do your part. And once again today against an elite offense that wasn't operating at an elite level, there were too many holes. It was way too big of a piece of Swiss cheese, quite honestly, in a lot of different ways. Yeah, absolutely. No, I totally agree with that. And I mean, look, if it wasn't for the missed tackles, to be quite honest with you, then I think this Washington football team defense may actually have a case if they're back there in the locker room pointing fingers at the offense saying it's your fault. But with all those third downs given up and all the missed tackles, you can't you can't get mad at anybody. Um, but speaking of getting mad at people, Chris, we've got a voicemail from LP. Hey, guys. LP in New Jersey. How you doing? As always, I want to start off uh, by thanking you guys for what you do. You help get uh, me through the week, being in the car uh, all day. Here's what I'll say. And I don't, you know, you, you know, you don't want to have a downer uh, on your show, but honestly, I'm just completely defeated and deflated as a fan, a fan for a very, very long time. Blame whoever you want, man. Honestly, blame Taylor Heineke, blame the defense, blame drop passes, blame this tag. I, I don't care. I really don't. I'm not going to get mad at anything you say because it was all just, I don't know. Just really sad. <laughs> the only happiness I have is two things. One, I don't have to watch next week's game because I'm going away with my wife for our anniversary. So I don't have to watch that debacle, which I'm sure it will be. And two, that uh, built bars are pretty delicious, man. My only problem is I got to order another mixed uh, box because I, I can't pick a favorite right now. So, they're all so good. I, I got to get another box and see, like, maybe which one I kind of reach for first or something because uh, I'm lost. The only one I don't like is coconut because I just don't like coconut. That has nothing to do with Bill Park. All right, guys. Have a great week. Defleeted, deflated, hopeless in New Jersey. <laughs> Goodbye. Oh, man. Poor LP. I mean, we mentioned him earlier in the show because he got a little salty with you last week and then he called and apologized and now i kind of feel bad for bringing that back up because uh he's like so many members of this fan base which was once yeah. very loyal and very large and very passionate and now is just totally despondent and the life has just been beat out of them by all of the tire fires uh, and quite honestly, the constant bad or underachieving or poor or disappointing performances on the field, never mind what goes on in the front office and off the field. Uh, I feel bad for LP, but we're going to, I'm going to say this, David, you know what LP, you deserve the week off, go away with your wife, wherever you're going. Don't watch. Don't, <laughs> I, I'm not going to tell you not to listen to us, listen to us if you want, because that would be self-defeating. But don't watch. Don't pay attention. You deserve it, buddy. No, absolutely. And, and listen, just to be clear, guys, I joke because I, I it's 
it's it's not a situation that's that's worth getting tied up about. So when I make jokes like speaking of getting mad, here's LP. Like I hope LP, you understand that's that's all said and just. There's no hard feelings at all whatsoever. Believe me, 100. Hope you have a great anniversary with your wife. Uh, and yeah, do yourself a favor and do your sanity a favor and just you know if if uh, if Washington pull off the upset, you know you, you can find it on NFL Network on a replay or something like that, and you can enjoy every minute of it. And in the meantime, you can spend the the weekend enjoying uh, a much better a much successful organization, hopefully in, in your marriage than, than what's going on with Washington right now. But Chris, it wasn't, it wasn't all terrible. Uh, so we do have plays and, and player player of the game. Um, the play of the game I'll go first here is Cole Holcomb's forced fumble. And this is kind of what I'm talking about. Listen, uh, maybe we'll talk about it more on tomorrow's episode. Cause we'll have more time to dive deeper into our takeaways. And like you said, we both have to watch the game over again with uh, non-active coverage eyes uh, watching it. Um, look, the Cole Holcomb forced fumble, the only takeaway the Washington football defense had they actually forced. And that's just that's honestly just the honest part of it. Um, the, the first interception that happened was a Tyreek Hill mistake. And honestly, given the missed tackles problems, if Tyreek Hill catches that ball, that's probably a touchdown. Instead, it ends up in Kendall Fuller's hands. He held on to that one. He missed one earlier on. But it's kind of a gift from the Kansas City Chiefs offense. The second interception, again, Patrick Mahomes makes a throw that no quarterback should ever make. I don't care who you are. Uh, and, and ends up in, in the hands of Bobby McCain. So Cole Holcomb, uh, you know, forces the fumble. Cam Curl falls on the ball. Uh, so that's actually a defense-producing turnover. So I, I appreciate that from them. And that's going to be the play of the game. Because, again, honestly, like, if if the Washington, if Scott Turner and Taylor Heineke and the offense can reward their defense for those early plays, even the ones that were kind of gifted them, look, you still got to catch the ball. You still got to bring it in. You still got to be in position. Then this game could possibly end up differently. Yeah, and for me, my play of the game, I mean, you know, look, maybe this is the lowest common denominator and low-hanging fruit, but I'll take the Ricky Seals-Jones touchdown, uh, not because it was anything special per se that Taylor Heineke did or even Ricky Seals-Jones, quite honestly, uh, but obviously they need. it gave them the lead right before halftime, so it validated what they had been fighting for through throughout that first half, David. Uh, and we mentioned the field goal problems and settling for field goals and red zone and all that stuff. So it was good to see them punch it in. And you know what? When I watched it live, I thought Heineke was going to overthrow him because I saw it immediately out yeah. of the out of the press box. And we, you know, I, I mean, you couldn't see Ricky Seals Jones anymore wide open. And when he released it, I thought he was going to overthrow it. And thankfully he didn't. He pulled the string. Uh, RSJ caught it and ran off to the end zone. Uh, a complete busted coverage as the Chiefs yeah. kind of jumped a a, a, a screen, uh, a, you know, kind of a wide receiver hitch, I guess, um, you know, to the left of Taylor Heineke that that they kind of motioned to. Uh, they were expecting that. They jumped it, and they were completely out of position. But you still have to make that play. So I'll give credit where credit is due. My player of the game, uh, just as we go through this, I'm going to go with – well, I'm going to go with nobody. And here's why. Um, sure, I could have gone Jamin Davis. You mentioned him. Sure, I could have gone Ricky Seals-Jones. We just talked about that. Sure, I could have gone maybe Chase Young, had a sack, a couple of other pressures. There's really nobody in this game, David, that I walk away going, hmm, you know what? He was really, really, really good. Now, maybe I'll feel differently when I go back and I slow it down and I see different things that I missed. Uh, and maybe that'll be Jamin Davis. I don't know. But for right now, I can't give it to anybody because everybody had a part in this overall big letdown. 
No, I hear you on that. Um, but I am going to go with JD McKissick and, uh, honestly, it's, you know, from a, from a statistic standpoint, uh, leads the team in rushing with 45 yards on only eight carries. And then he leads the team in receiving with 65 yards on eight catches, 10 targets. And, and look, maybe he was the benefactor of a very, uh, conservative, I'll call it conservative. Honestly, kind of looked like a scared offensive game plan. I don't know. Again, my confusion with this whole thing is going to be why Washington didn't come out and trying to test uh, a secondary in a defense of Kansas city that honestly hasn't been doing very well. You know, they, they essentially gave the Kansas city chiefs a get right game uh, without the chiefs actually having to get right on defense. Like a lot of people are going to talk about how this chiefs defense has been struggling. And then they come out and hold a quarterback to under 200 yards, passing uh, an offense to under hundred yards rushing and only give up one touchdown when in reality, if you watch the game, it's because Washington really didn't go out there with a whole lot of fire in their belly uh, to try to do a whole lot against this unit. So it's just, it's kind of confusing to me um, the, the way it went, but JD McKissick, given the opportunities that he had, he stepped up for his team as much as he could. And he kind of did his thing. And honestly, he's got me wondering why and, and Antonio Gibson's health status moving forward is obviously going to be a big part of this conversation, but, but with him being active and previous to this game, why we're not seeing JD McKissick as your primary back and, uh, Antonio Gibson is playing more as kind of a slot receiver type of role uh, to put more weapons on the field and spread defenses out a little bit more while they're trying to get healthy. To me, that seems like a very simplistic, very easy idea to get weapons on the field and make things a little bit easier for Taylor Heineke, but I'm not the offensive coordinator for a reason. But that being said, J.D. McKissick. Oh, also, by the way, Terry McLaurin had that big drop at one point in the game. Mm-hmm. J.D. McKissick came through on the very next play and picked up those yards that they should have got from Terry to keep the ball moving. I think they end up scoring. Uh, on that drive as well. So that for all those reasons, I'm going to tip a cap to JD McKissick, one of the few offensive parts of this team uh, that actually had a good day. He was also good early on in pass pro too, that I uh, noticed from my vantage point. So should bring that uh, up as well, but that's a good breakdown of JD McKissick. Not a lot of positives uh, after this 30 one to 13 loss to the Chiefs. Thank you, everybody, for making today's episode of the Locked On Washington Football Team podcast your first listen of the day. Make sure you come back tomorrow as we dive a little bit deeper and share our in depth takeaways from this week five, week six Washington football team loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. Now make your second listen of the day, the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock, former NFL scout Matt Williamson, giving you the expert NFL analysis in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available on all platforms. If you have a question or something you want us to discuss, or if you want to vent like our guys, just call in on the voicemail, 301-615-3577, 301-615-3577, or email lockwftpod at gmail.com. For David Harrison, uh, who's covering the Washington football team, not only for us here, but also on SI.com's Fan Nation. I'm Chris Russell, one half of the Russell and Medhurst Show on the flagship station for the Washington football team, the Team 980. Pete Medhurst will be back with another episode right here on the Locked On Washington Football Team podcast. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. 
Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.